So brothers and sisters, you know the topic that's given to me is to talk on the fatherhood of God. You know we have heard a lot of things of the father heart of God, the fatherhood of God. We know his love is infinite, his his mercy is infinite. Whatever may be, he loves us. No, this all knowledge we have accumulated in our head. But someone says the longest journey is from the head to the heart. No, this evening what I want to reflect with you all together is not so much on the father heart or the fatherhood of God. That's there. That never changes. But I want to reflect with you all our attitude. No, am I willing? to accept that fatherhood of of god in my life no matter where i've gone i've strayed might have i wandered i've sinned but am i willing to come back am i willing to accept god as my father you know so to begin with i start with this scripture what was he the other one We all know this famous scripture, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Now, what is this God's love? Now, God's love is personal. This is what I want to reflect with you all. God's love is personal. That means he knows each of us individually and loves us personally that is the beauty of the fatherhood of god that he knows us personally he knows us through and through with our strengths with our holiness with our weakness with our sins and yet he loves us intimately and his his is a mighty love that has no beginning and has no end that is the love of god now in in spite of all this understanding of god's love and mercy there are moments in our life when we sin or when we fail when we let god down what happens then how do we react when we go away from the fatherhood of god or when we fail no how do we rise up from our failures now let me one of the questions that you know sometimes i get to hear is does god really loves me no god i am a miserable sinner now i've heard statements like this i am the worst sinner in the world but god does god still loves me the answer is yes no matter what you have done his love will never 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 go away from you so let me ask you all something you know we all have made commitments you know when we have this encounter with god i make a commitment you no know, god i i'll be faithful to my prayer time or i will do my bible reading every day or i will give away this sin or i will do this you no know, we make resolutions we make commitments to god right now what happens you know 
let's see your hand how many of you have made a commitment like that no god i'll be faithful to you in my prayer times in my bible reading hmm? just keep your hands like that now only those people keep your hands raised those who have failed you know there are still hands right many of us fail that doesn't mean that you no know, god has abandoned you can put your hands up. that doesn't mean that god has abandoned us or god has let us down just because we don't talk about our failures that doesn't mean that we don't have failures in life it's just that we don't talk about it but there's another side of it we love to listen to other people's failures and how they rose from those failures you know we all like listening to people talking about their failures in life now sorry let me show no you may be wondering why i'm showing these pictures but there's a reason who is this person do you all know him right it's walt disney i want to talk something about him you know he was fired from a newspaper company for lacking imagination hmm? and having no original ideas legend had has it that walt disney was turned down 302 times you know he went to 301 persons different peoples bringing his idea of disneyland but he was turned down 302 times you no know? only the 303rd person was willing to finance him and now we know the history do you know this person it's vincent van gogh is a famous painter but do you all know during his lifetime how many paintings he sold only one he sold only one painting during his lifetime but that didn't stop him painting and keeping continue with his painting he painted he went on painted he died and one day one of his friend found his paintings and auctioned and today you know how one of his paintings cost one of his paintings went for 142 million dollars it was sold for 142 million dollars you all know this person albert einstein right this person didn't speak until he was 4 and he didn't read till he was 7 but he went on to win a nobel prize and become the face of the modern physics you know this person invented many things no he invented many many things one of the things that he invented was a light bulb you know how many times that he invented a bulb that did not function 200 he didn't give up he started 5 10 didn't work no up to 200 the 200 bulb which he experimented worked and today we have light this lady famous you know her you know what's her story she was demoted from her job as a news anchor because she wasn't fit for television 
Hmm? So now, what's common in all these personalities that I showed? What was the common thing that strikes? They were successful people, but they had to go through failures. But that failure did not stop for them to, to succeed or to do what they want to do in life, what they want to achieve in life. These people were fighters. They didn't give up. Now, I'm saying to you all, if you have never failed, you have never tried anything new in life. So failure is an inevitable part of success in our life. Now, I like what Thomas Edison said while he was interviewed. He said, in my mind, I never even failed once, but it was a 200-step process to get there. So the formula for success is failure plus failure plus failure. Let me give you a last example. You all know the famous American president, Abraham Lincoln. Not this Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. You know his story? He lost 11 out of 13 elections before winning or before becoming the president of United States of America. He had a nervous breakdown. He suffered from severe depression. He lost two children. All this before becoming the president of United States of America. But one thing was, he was determined not to give up. Now I'm not, as I'm talking about this in the secular field or the secular world, similarly it happens in the spiritual world also, with our spirituality also. We fail, we go to retreats, we are renewed, we make commitments. And then we fail. What do we do? What do we do? No? This is what the Bible says. Proverb verse, chapter 24 verse 16. For a righteous man falls seven times and rise again. A righteous man, a holy man falls seven times. That means a holy man commits mistake or offends God or sins, sin against God seven times a day, but he rises up. No? So, God wants to work through your mistakes and shortcomings, not in spite of them. Now let me tell this. God wants to work through your mistakes and shortcomings and not in spite of them. So now God doesn't see your failure as something like, Argh. no, I give chance after chance to this fellow and he's not trying to lead a holy life. She's not. He doesn't look at you that way. That's somehow wrong perception we have. You know? God doesn't see your failure as something that stops his ability to love you and to use you. That is the fatherhood of God. That is the heart of God. God will use your failure and my failure if we work through those things. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous 
but sinners to repentance you know this is the very purpose that god came down to earth that god sent his son you know when jesus came to this earth he did not come with a coat of a judge to judge your mistakes to make wrong keep an account no he came with a jacket of a doctor to heal you to bring you back to the heart of god to bring you back to the father now the only person in the whole wild world who expects you to be perfect is yourself ask people around you they know that you are imperfect you are the only person who expects yourself to be the person perfect person now thank god in the bible god did not hide the mistakes of great men and women of god these great men and women of god failed miserably in their lives moses a great man who led the people to the promised land he was a murderer david man after god's own heart committed double crimes he committed adultery he committed murder solomon was a womanizer he was the most wisest man but he had a you know he had a shortcoming for women no he he fell for women and so much so he he started building temples to satisfy his concubines noah was a drunkard hmm? saint paul man who wanted to persecute christianity and put a put christianity to an end turned out to be the apostles of the gentiles three fourth of the new testament is written by him what made these people to change they first and foremost they acknowledge their shortcomings second they trusted in the fatherhood of god they knew that they could trust their father and indeed the father trusted them and entrusted them with great task now saint paul is not defined today when we reflect on saint paul he is not defined for his failure but he is defined for his response to his failure and similarly i would like to reflect you know you would have reflected many a times but i want to again reflect in a new perspective with you all the story of the prodigal son you know he failed he failed miserably his life was a failure but let's see also his response to failure another famous prodigal son luke chapter 15 verses 11 onwards a man had two sons and the younger son said to his father father give me the share of your estate that you should that should come to me so the father divided the property between them After a few days the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation when he had freely spent everything a severe famine struck that country 
and he found himself in their need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here I am, I die, dying for hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Now, the story is, the father had two sons. The younger one comes to the father and tells, give me my inheritance. Now, let me ask you a simple question. When does somebody inherit something? When the person dies. You know, in the Jew Jewish culture, it was a very shameful thing for a son to do that. That means the son is coming to the father and saying, I can't wait anymore. It's like son spitting on the face of the father and saying, I'm waiting for you to die and you're not dying. I'm sick and tired of it. No, give me what belongs to me. I can't wait anymore. That was the attitude of the son. No? But look at the heart of the father. If I was the father, I would have given a kick on the butt and sent the younger son out of the house. But look at the heart of the father. There's no comment. There's no argument. He divides his property and gives it to the younger son. And what does this son does? He collects the inheritance that comes to him and he goes off to a far off country away from his father's sight. Why? Because he knows if he is in the presence of his father, he can't do what he wants. Might be when the father's, my, he, the son thought the father will still control me. So he goes off to a far off country and when you have a lot of money, what happens? You get very good friends who help you to finish all that you have very fast. And once he's lost everything, all those friends and dear ones have disappeared. And where does he land up? He lands up in a... You know the answer, I won't say. And then what? Nobody gives him anything to eat. I like the version that I read from the American Bible. We think that he ate what was given to the pigs. That's wrong. The scripture is very clear here. This is the correct translation from the Greek version. It says, it says, he longed to eat, and he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed. That means he was longing to eat what the swines were eating. Have you all smelled the swine's food? It tastes very delicious, no? it smells very yummy. That's where he landed up. 
that's where he landed up when he refused the love of the father when he refused the authority of the father when he refused to be under the care of his father no he was in a very very good position he was in a very good place he had servants he had everything to do but he lost because of his own free will and this is what sometimes i and you do my brothers and sisters god wants to give us the best the scripture is very clear god jesus came to give us life and life in all its fullness that means god came to the earth that i and you should enjoy life life to the fullness but one condition is required that i unite my will to the will of the father that i am under the authority of the fatherhood of god i allow god to be god in my life but for us the struggles of the world the desires of the flesh are so much that it pulls us draws away from that infinite divine love which has no beginning and no end but there is there is a turning point so this is where he lands but then there is a turning point he says when he's there among the swines no longing to eat what the swines wanted to eat he comes to his senses no he comes to his senses saying that hang on i am not meant to be here i am a son of a very 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 rich father as bad as i am i can still say i can go back no this attitude of the son changed everything for him no he offended his father he went away from his father he landed up in a very very bad place but coming to his senses he said i can still go back to my father that changed everything and that is what i want to drive home this evening god does not want to use you in spite of your failures but god wants to work through your mistakes and shortcomings through your sins now the key is how do you respond when you offend god how do you respond to god no it is not our success that determines our character but it's how we respond to failures and difficulties or sins in our lives now the prodigal son coming back to the story of the prodigal son no he came to himself what did he do he realized who he was that means he realized his identity now brothers and sisters every one of us sitting in this all in this room our true identity what is our true identity that we are the sons and daughters of god that is our foremost identity that we are the sons and daughters of god no matter what we do no matter where we are no matter how big sin we have committed god is still willing to forgive you provided you own up provided you own up for your mistakes for your sins 
and make a decision to turn to god you know so the prodigal son said i am a son of a rich father that realization changed everything for him the prodigal son said yes i have failed but i am not a failure now mind is something that we all can control brothers and sisters hmm? mindset is something we can control god's love for you is as big as your ability to believe in it if you believe in god's love so much you experience so much you experience god's love so much you experience so much so it's your ability you know and how much you believe is how much you experience so god's love is big 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 bigger than big now going back to the story of the prodigal son he feels ashamed and thought that the father hates me to my to his guts but the reality is that he felt the love of the father you all know this famous fainting now did the father's love change from the beginning to the end did the father's grow in his love after the son abandoned him after the son spit on his face did the father's love grow for his son yes no his his love for his son grew now at the beginning of the story the boy felt no love with the father he felt no connection with the father that's the reason he spit on the face of the father at the end of the story he feels the father's love now did the father's love change did it change no it was constant the perception of the son changed his realization changed at the beginning of the story if the father did not love his son he would not have given him the money or the inheritance that he asked but our problem is that we all struggle with fear and shame you know when we offend god when we sin against god we struggle with fear and shame and we think that we are not worthy of god's love now our problem is this our problem isn't that you are not worthy of god's love our problem is that we don't believe in god's love that's our problem no we think we are not worthy of god's love we don't believe that god's love and no god will still accept me god will still be a father to me no that is our problem so our problem isn't is that we aren't worthy of god's love our problem is that we don't believe in the love of god so it's all in our mind and that's what the scripture says in proverbs 23:12 apply your mind to the instructions and your ear to the words of knowledge romans 12:12 12, 12. 
but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So, we will be transformed when we renew our minds. So it's all in our mind. So some of you sitting here may say, Father Francis, it's easy for you to talk on God's love or fatherhood of God because you are a priest. No? That has nothing to do with God's love. No? That has nothing to do that I have a self-esteem. No. This is to do with who is the authority over our lives. I ask this my question to myself daily. Who is the authority in my life? I ask the same thing to you. Who is the authority in your life? Who do you listen to? And I say that I defeat failure by trusting in God's word more than my words. Hmm? The truth is God's words say one thing and your thoughts and your words says another thing. So who is the authority in your life? And if I have the ability to feel good about myself despite of my failures and pick up myself, then it's not because I have a good self-esteem, it's because I have, a, I have made a decision that God's word is higher than anything in the world. And if you are going to tell me that I am a bad person and God's word tells that I am a son of God, I would go by God's word and not your word or what others say. No? Because God's word gives life. God's word should be the authority in our lives. Many of us know we want to listen to God speaking to us, don't we? We all crave to God, want to listen to God speaking to us. And God speaks to us. Each time you open this holy scripture, each time you open the Bible, God speaks to you loudly and clearly. St. Jerome says, it's my beloved talking to me. Each time I read the scriptures, it's my beloved who talks to me. So brothers and sisters, I am asking, who is the authority in your life? For me, I defeat failures by trusting God's word more than my thoughts. Now, there is a difference between reality and truth. You know, I always make distinctions between two ideas, realities and truth. What is the difference between reality and truth? Reality is what we see. What we see, that's a reality. And truth is what we know. And that's the reason, no, Jesus standing before Pilate. Pilate asks, no, what is the truth? Jesus doesn't answer because he is truth himself. No? So, reality is what is in front of our eyes. That is, I have failed. I have sinned against God. I have offended God. But the truth is that I am not rejected by God. I am not a failure. I am loved by God in spite of my failures, in spite of my sins. Reality says that I am not good. But truth says that I am eternally good and infinitely good because the one who is in me is eternally and infinitely good. So reality says 
you can't win the battle but the truth says you cannot lose as long as you stick with me and that's the beauty you know in the life of jesus if you reflect on the life of jesus you see he treated people with great dignity and respect whoever it was whether it was matthew the tax collector or the woman caught in the very act of adultery the scripture is clear she was caught in the very act of adultery no the scribes and the elders bring her dragging her to jesus with proof but how did jesus react to her no she is there in that miserable condition but you see that jesus bending down and doing something on the ground no many people give many interpretations some say that jesus was writing the sins of the people who were stoning or something no but for me no I, as far as i've read even from the reflections of the church fathers when did god use hand during creation god created everything in the world through a word he pronounced and it came but only when he had to create man he used his hands similarly jesus bending on the floor was doing something in the mud it was symbolic saying that women you're messed up you're caught but i am going to do something new in your life you know and then jesus poses that question to them no who among you have not sinned be the first one to throw the stones and the scripture says everyone right from the eldest to the youngest go away and she's alone left with jesus now let's put ourselves somebody does a mistake no she's caught you vouch for that person you free that person then how do you deal with that person at least i now i'm a formator now when my seminarians do a mistake i do forgive them i say it's okay but prior to that i give them a long lecture and a small homily a small exhortation but look at jesus not a word he didn't say he accepted he knew the state of the person he knew that her heart is now weeping wounded she needs comfort and that is the heart of god that is the fatherhood of god he says woman go and sin no more and today it's the same thing that god is telling you brothers and sisters wherever you are whatever you have done it doesn't matter you can always come back to the father you can always come back to the father heart of god if these people in the secular world who are not so much spiritual could succeed in life how much more that i and you who have experienced the love of god who are committed ourselves to a prayer group like this can find success in our life can grow spiritual in our lives the problem that we don't grow spiritual in our lives is because we are stuck no we make an effort and then something happens we try to give up 
And I always compare our spiritual life or our spiritual journey to a child learning to walk. No? Have you seen a child learning to walk? How many times the child falls before it learns to walk by itself? But will the parents go and hold the child, not allow the child to walk? The eye will always be on the child. The parents' eye will always be on the child. But they allow the child to fall so that it learns to balance. And once the child learns to walk, does it need any, any support or does it need any supervision? No, it walks. But that doesn't mean as an adult you don't stumble and fall. At times you fall, but what do you do? You sit there or you fall there, you get up and you walk. So this is what God desires from you, that you come back to him, no matter where you are. You know, this especially happens, you know, when, when somebody, we say, you know, can you take up this, or can you lead worship, or can you, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm, we know that you're not sure, we know that you're not able, but we are giving you a chance, why don't you try? It's similar with God. God always comes to encourage us. God comes to lift us. God comes to take us back home. Now if you reflect on the lost, we, we reflected on the lost son, but if you reflect on the lost sheep, there were 99, uh, there were 100 sheep, one is lost, and the good shepherd goes in search of that one sheep. And when, it find, when he finds the sheep, what does he do? Does he gain? Or does he yell at it? No. No, he takes his in his arm and better, he puts it on his shoulder. That is the place that God gives to the one who is willing to come back to him with all his heart, with all his might, and with all his strength, making a serious commitment, saying, God, no matter what, I want to come back today. I want to come back today and I know that you will accept and embrace me as you accepted and embraced the prodigal son. What did the father do? As the prodigal son came back, who saw first the son? It was the father who saw the son first, not the son. And the father runs and imagine, no? When I was in Bangalore, I used to go to Ashirwanam, you know, sometimes. And for the prayers, those monks, some of them would work in the, with the cattle and pigs, you know. And they would come. You know, and you, it was hard to sit next to them. Even in spite of the having a good bath and shower, they would still stink of, of cow and swine smell. Imagine the state of this prodigal son. He must have been in rags. He must be smelling. Who knows how many days he had taken bath. But he comes to the father. What does the father does? Does the father says, go my son, have a nice shower, then I'll give you a hug. No. He embraces him as he is. That's a sign that God accepts us as we are. He meets us where we are. Provided we own up our mistakes, provided we come to our senses and realize who we are. Our identity is that 
we are the sons and daughters of god the prodigal son realized his identity and returned back to his father and what happened got a ring on his finger shoes on his feet new pairs of clothes a party was thrown for him a party thrown for the one who squandered everything foolishness of god and that's how mad god is in love with each of us all that he desires is not not our long long prayers or long long novenas or all that he wants you uh, from you at me is that intimacy with him that we allow him to be a father in our lives so my brothers and sisters today i urge you you know i challenge you what is your response to the fatherhood of god let's take a moment of silence let's close our eyes let's let's see where we have failed god what is that hindering you and me what is that hindering that thing that is hindering in my life to come back to god god is waiting with his arms open wide and is calling you what is that one thing that is stopping you can you make a decision to let it go can you make a decision that god will still love you in spite of that sin in spite of that failure make a small prayer in your own heart and confess your sins or your failures to god and say god i want to come back to me for you have come to give me life life in all its fullness Father in heaven we come before you you are an infinite father you are a good good loving father and you are a father who cast our sins deep into the ocean and you forgive our sins not only forgive them but forget them thank you father that you are a father and today we come to you and we allow you to be father in our lives give us this awareness give us this awareness to know the truth that you are a father and we are your sons we are your daughters and nothing nothing in this world can separate that love that fatherhood of yours from our lives and so father we today united as your sons and daughters united with your son jesus call out to you the very words that your son taught us Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation 
but deliver us from evil. Amen. So on behalf of the group, we want to thank you, Father. Such